Hey, we're back. This is the OMN Alumni Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for our newest episode. I'm your host, Stephen Sandberg. A quick programming note for our listeners who are hearing this when it comes out in September. Orange Media Network is coming back. Uh, We've got some brand new content coming out. Check out orangemedianetwork.com for all of the new work that students are making. I'm really excited about our guest today on the podcast. She does everything. Uh, She is a producer, a filmmaker, a documentarian, a videographer, what else is there to say? It's Polly Lisacek. Polly, how you doing? <laughs> wow. Wow. What an introduction. Thanks, Stephen. Oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about <laughs> the person who does everything. Oh, I stop. Would. Stop. <laughs> so well, thank you. And actually, because it took me so long to list all of your the different hats you wear, we actually have no more time left in the podcast. So thank gotcha. you for coming on. Mm-hmm, we'll catch mm-hmm. up with you the next time. No. Yeah. <laughs> see, see you in another life. That sounds great. <laughs> how are you doing, Polly? How are things for you? Things are so good right now. Um, you know, it's a, it's a Monday, but it's sunny and it's been, you know, an above average Monday to say the least. And I am so excited to talk with you and wrap up the work day this way because, you know, things like this don't make it feel like work. So now what makes I, something an above average Monday for you? Oh, gosh. Um, just wow. Uh, a lot of really great conversations today that rode the line of being productive and fun, you know, so um, a lot of fun collaborations that are in the works that are, you know, also things that I am so lucky to do to have a job that I love that also pays the bills. So (laughs) stuff like that. So basically just my my job. uh, If on a good day, it is an above average day or on any day it's an above average day. Hey, that that's great to hear. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about your work. Uh, you are the video production director at Feel Good Human. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But first, I wanted to offer you some congratulations. Uh, the uh, production company that you work with, Golden Pride Productions, uh, mm-hmm. you made a film last year called Another Day, and it was recently selected for the Klamath Independent Film Festival. Congratulations. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, that I have been doing work with Golden Pride for the last few years, uh, starting when I was still in college. Um, and uh, no, it's it, it's really exciting. And I'm very proud of the films that have come out of the collective. Um, yeah. And this specific film, Another Day, you edited. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's incredible. I watched it. It's a really powerful story of a black girl in a predominantly white city and her experiences. What was it like for you as an editor editing a short film, especially one uh, that that's really powerful and has a lot of important subject matter in it? What was it like for you as the editor? Yeah, well, also an important note on that is editing a story that is not my own, uh, too, mm-hmm. and adding another layer um, of complexity there. So, I mean, that it's almost ironic in, in a way that I was editing it um, because it's not a story that I personally identify with. But my experience editing this film was honestly, I mean, one of the, one of the best collaborative editing experiences that I've had because uh, any video editors out there know that collaborative editing is not ideal. It's really difficult at times when <laughs> people have different visions and um, it, it, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's difficult. But um, specifically, I was collaborating closely with the director and the writer of the film, Summer Martin, um, who is 
a director writer up here in Portland, Oregon. And, um, and we, we would get together. Uh, I think we met at Townshend's coffee and tea house over there in Montevilla on like 82nd and Burnside for, for all of our collaborative editing sessions at the time. And that was already two years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, so I mean, just to show the, the timeline of a film. Cause I mean, we, we shot it two years ago, you know, edited it soon after that. It was in May of 2019. Yeah. That we shot it, edited it during around this time in the summer. And then, I mean, now you, as you can see, it's on its festival run right now. And, you know, it's still being seen with fresh eyes in new places as if the film was just made. And that's just, I guess, filmmaking and production, uh, and, <laughs> you know, has a long lifespan. And you mentioned, that as an editor, sometimes collaborative editing can be pretty difficult, but not so much in this case. What was it about this experience that made it such a good collaboration and made things better for you as an editor? Mm. So Summer specifically was incredible to work with because she, I mean, th this film is one of her babies, you know, so she she's really trusting uh, me as the editor, but also everybody else who had hands on in this, in this project, um, trusting them to, to help nurture the baby <laughs> as she <laughs> hoped. But the big word there is that she had a lot of trust that, um, everybody who had their job in the film or position in the film making itself, uh, she trusted that they would do the best at their job that they were there to do. And, just the, just the fact that um, she, she would give me direction. Um, I mean, it really started out that I, you know, what was editing by the by the script, and this was a unique experience. So I'll say really quickly that when the film had its final date selected for being able to shoot it, I was I already had a trip out of town um, that I was going on that I that I couldn't cancel, and so it was I mean and it was a, it was over two days that it was that it was shot and it was the only time it was going to work for all the actors and the directors the writers everything so unfortunately I could not be there and it was devastating to say the least but um, it ended up working out in a really beautiful way because I got to see all the footage with completely fresh eyes. So I didn't know all the nuances of what happened on set and both with what was happening in the script versus how things were actually filmed and then to where they ended up in my lap that I I really got to trust my, my gut that was also following the script um, as best I could with the footage that I had. And I would, but th there was just something about not knowing what their vision was that allowed me to play with it in a way that wasn't super constrained. So I didn't have this preconceived idea of what exactly it was supposed to look like. So there, yes, there was the script, but things change and evolve a little bit from the script. And so um, there was room for me to interpret things the way that, uh, that I felt were felt natural or felt accurate Um and so whenever me and Summer would get together and work on, and I, and I would show her what I had edited so far, and then, and then we'd, you know, bring up the timeline and, um, and she, she was like, whoa, I didn't even realize, or I didn't even, 
you know, I, I didn't think about putting this uh, here or putting this there or um, there was some adaptations, like I was saying, that by the time it came to shooting, that had been changed from the script that I actually didn't fully know about. So um, I just pieced things together how I thought they were supposed to be. And then sometimes it ended up being some beautiful misunderstandings that um, yeah. that, that told the story in, a, in an unexpected way. And so that also, um, in, in just the way that, yeah, that we'd be able to, she would she would give me direction and then get, give me feedback. And it was really so intuition based editing. It wasn't, it wasn't strictly by the books or by the script, which is a big part of how I edit when I'm editing my own projects, or if I have full complete creative control, um, I, I don't thrive off of, um, having pre-production nailed down to a T. I like to have a guide, a general guide, and there are pros and cons that come with that. But how I at best is really being inspired by the footage once it's on the timeline and then figuring out just what, like I said, just intuitively, what feels right? How is this pacing? And she really uh, met me there and started looking at it that that way too, which was uh, really beautiful to have her trust of something that was so close to her heart. And in the case of this film, and you mentioned this uh, earlier in the podcast, uh, this was a story that was not your own on a couple of levels. You know, this is yeah. written and directed by someone else, and it is about a person who has a different identity from you. Were yeah. you cognizant of that as you were editing, or was it like like you were talking about that instinctual putting the story together? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I definitely was aware that it wasn't my story and that there there was a lot more room for bias that I didn't even know or wasn't aware that I have to um to affect the way I edit it right so there could Mm -hmm. be a little part where um just a maybe a uh somebody's reaction and nonverbal reactions on body language on a scene where um, a, a shot lingered and the way that somebody nonverbally responded uh, to something in the scene, uh, maybe that was actually really important. Like the way that they ra- raised their eyebrow and just kind of sat there staring at someone or, or the way that they, you know, kind of pulled back or shut down um, things that weren't in the script, but things that were still um being communicated, maybe I wouldn't pick up on how significant something was because yes, because it, because it's not my story. Um, that's really fascinating, you know, and because you hear a lot about when you're crafting a story about the script phase and the directing phase, and it's very, very visual and and in that pre-production and during production, but hearing about it on the editing side is something that I've never heard of before. That's really fascinating, Polly. Yeah, no, that's it. It's, and I, I, appreciate you asking these these questions. <laughs> um, well, I also want to talk about your work with Feel Good Human, which by the way, there's a comma in there, Feel Good, comma, Human. So in my head, it always yeah. comes out, Feel Good, Human. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, you have it right. <laughs> hey, I'd get it. All right. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about your work with Feel Good Human. You're the video production director there. And uh, it it positions itself as a place that creates media that makes people feel good. What does that yeah. mean? So Feel Good Human basically is a 
co-op and incubator of brands and ideas with a common social goal or a common goal in general to explore how we can do things better. And what the heck does that mean? Because it's <laughs> really vague and up for interpretation. But um, the, the whole idea of Feel Good Human is that it is, like I said, a co-op, a cooperative, an incubator, and also a community. So why there is the change from what you understood literally as of probably this last week, even um, if you had looked at the website of it being in you know, online digital marketing um, production house or agency of sorts that um, we there was feel good human media. And then there was also but that there was feel good human, the the group or the parent company or mm-hmm. or co-op. So now um but how how it's moving forward and this does align with the original mission of it it just took a little bit to get there because it is a startup it's a new business and that's how these things go early on that it is a place for people to bring either an already existing business or a project or business they want to create or explore or an idea um whatever it may be, but that it is an incubator for ideas and collaboration to manifest, to grow, and a place for it to be welcomed and fostered as best as possible. Um, So where do I go from there, actually? Do I let you ask another question? Because I can go through (laughs) different directions from there. No, no. In fact, fact, it's your turn to ask me questions. That's what we do in the podcast. Mm. We just kind of trade off. Okay. Well, perfect. (laughs) What do you understand about it to this point? Or what have I just made more confusing to you? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I think you did clarify some things. So that that was really good. Uh, So one question I would ask is, let's say an organization or a group comes to you and says, hey, feel good human. We have this idea. Here's what we want to do. What's your process for helping them see that vision through? Like, how do you work with them or coach them to get to where they want to go with their idea? Yeah, so I would say our we would specialize best in someone who is either starting a business currently on on their own, or if it's already yes, a, a small group. But um, if somebody right now. It was a, or if it was a single person that had, that was just on the brink uh, right before they're starting, but they are like, this is what I want to do. I just don't know how to get started. Um, That is an opportunity for a couple options. One of them right now is that if they were interested in being part of the feel good human team as a whole and as a, as a group, Um, we would explore, well, what, what is your project? What is your idea or what is your business model or idea? And, um, really break down what they don't have yet or what they already have. So let's say they didn't have, you know, a brand, a brand identity, even the, you know, the graphic design or, um, any of that, that is yes, a one level of what we could do, but on a bigger level, we would want to be able to provide the back office support um, is how I could describe it. So all the logistics and administrative work that goes into starting a business or growing a business at its early phase, you know, where, you know, what resources don't you have that you need in order to do this on the level that you want to do it? Um, Or, and, 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 and the point to being, 
bringing together like-minded humans who generally have the same values of, you know, curiosity, compassion, want to do things uh, that are, you know, in a sustainable and equitable and fair way. Um, and being a part of a community that is uplifting each other and that, you know, if one person wins, everybody wins and that it's just a, a positive environment in every sense of the word, um, for personal growth, for, you know, for business growth and for, I mean, every, I mean, obviously there's yeah more, more growth to be had than those two things, but I mean, really the, sure. the personal, the personal growth, um, for the individuals involved is one of the highest priorities is that it gives some, it gives anybody or somebody a space to, <laughs> as we call, um, grow or nurture their baby. So I know I keep using that <laughs> starting from, you know, talking about another day, but, um, that somebody, yeah, th their idea would essentially be their, their baby. And so it's like, okay, how can we co-parent with you and give, you know, help support you in what it takes to raise this child, <laughs> mm -hmm. including changing all the diapers as well. Yeah. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the hardest, funnest, stinkiest, <laughs> most sure. interesting part. Yeah. <laughs> so Polly, with, with the, the number of different projects that you do and the types of projects as well, because you're working, you know, we, we already mentioned short films, documentaries, mm -hmm. uh, business videos, brand videos. Mm -hmm. Is that something you enjoy doing lots of different types of video work? Uh, is mm -hmm. it challenging at all trying to kind of balance, you know, where, where your, where your attention is paid? How do you feel, mm -hmm. you know, when you're working on multiple projects and, and various types of projects? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, it 100% has its uh, ups and downs, but I would absolutely say I I don't think I have a choice for the way that my brain works and the way that I need to function in this life that I I need the variety and I I thrive on it even with the things about it that, that can make it difficult. So yeah, it does spread out your attention. And so one could argue that Maybe you're never, are, are you giving up the, the opportunity to master something, one specific thing, if you are spreading your focus across different platforms? And I think that's just come, that comes along with, well, they, I mean, that's not a bad thing um, if you know your strengths and your weaknesses and you don't try to do both. So if I, if I was sitting here hoping that I would be just, you know, the best video editor in the world and that would be my thing and I would be known for nothing else beyond my ability to, to edit perfectly, uh, whatever that looks like, um, then I would be falling short of, of that expectation all the time because I do have these other interests and these other things that fulfill, um, fulfill what I want to do in life. And so, while video editing and video production in itself is such a huge cornerstone of my life and how I like to walk through the world. I mean, to me, video is um, a catalyst to learn about the world, whether and in every step of the process. So whether you're producing or directing or you're shooting something, you're interviewing somebody for a film you're, or you're editing it, there is just you're so it's such an intimate process in every single step that I, whatever it is that you're, that you're making a film about, you are going to, there's no choice but to learn in depth about um, what you're making a film about. So for that, um, 
I, I, yes, it's, it's how, it's how I continue learning and, um, the best way I know how to learn, but, um, there are other things that are important to me and other, um, and other projects and things I want to do in my life too. And so what I, I mean, whether that I, whether that's, you know, working in education in some regard, well, that that's also a reason why I like video production because it's kind of a non-traditional, uh, form of education that has a huge opportunity to be more inclusive for, um, let's say for education that the traditional classroom style, um, the people who that leaves behind, you know, um, if that makes it sense, cause it's very hands-on yeah. and it's very out in the world. And for me, it completely changed my ability to learn. So it's wild. You know, I didn't stumble upon it until college. Um, even one just, yeah, I'd, I'd picked up a camera before, but not in any sense of anything. And it, you know, I didn't learn about the possibilities and real until OMN. And so, it completely changed my life because it's not only changed, you know, whatever, yeah, you know, I could say whatever my end goal is, but it's changed my whole system and how I approach life um, and the way that I live it day to day, as well as, um, you know, ch- changing the, the end goal, I guess, if that even, if the end goal even exists. I, I, and, I and you know what? And it's okay. You know, sometimes, sometimes there's an end goal and sometimes, you know, that end goal changes over time, yeah. you know, and, and that's all right. Cause I think something you said that really resonated with me is that it's not just, it's not just one thing, you know, there are mm-hmm. multiple things that, that, uh, that someone can do or be involved with multiple parts of themselves. So it's not just, Hey, I'm, I'm the best video editor in the world. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I care about education or I care about people or I care about getting information out to people. And, mm-hmm. and what I've found in my life is that, you know, the, the older I get, uh, the more, <laughs> the more I see how those things kind of connect to one another where, mm. you know, you have a love of video and that ties into, or, and, and in some, in some ways even helps or enhances your ability to help with education or mm. your ability to connect with people. And so I found that, you know, those things find, find ways to connect to each other, you know, mm. and sometimes you don't realize it until you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, no, beautifully said. You have such a gift for just wrapping things up with a pretty little bow. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. That, yeah, well, you just explained it to me well. And speaking of wrapping things up with a little bow, let's take a quick break. Uh, yeah. That's a perfect transition, Polly. I really should. I, really <laughs> should, I should have you host this. That, 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 no, I think we're great co-hosts. This is going wonderfully. <laughs> yes, yes. Like I'm coming, coming back next week. Uh, yeah. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk more with Polly coming up right after this. Hey, welcome back to the Stephen and Polly Show. Uh, I mean, the uh, OMN Alumni <laughs> Podcast. We're talking with uh, one of my favorite people, Polly Lisa Check, today. Uh, Polly, I first met you uh, at Orange Media Network, uh, as I often do with many of the guests on this show. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that really struck me right away is that every project that you did just seemed to connect with people, whether it's connecting with your audience or sometimes, you know, connecting with people that you were interviewing with like a student on the street out in the quad. But it always impressed me so much how well you were able to click with people right away. Is that something that Mm. just kind of, is that something that happens, you know, in your day to day? Do you find you click really easily with people or is that something that you, you know, you kind of work on? Oh, that's, that's a funny question. Uh, I mean, th- thank you. One thing that that's really sweet. Um, I, 
it's funny because I, if I look at my childhood, for example, <laughs> um, let's I'm on just my say, therapist couch right now, so okay, feel free. Great. Well, here we go. Let's dive in. So um, I was just I was a bit of a weirdo, and um, I don't know. I was really hyperactive. I was really just I mean, very just bouncing off the walls kind of person, as some would say in some settings, maybe like a little problematic or distracting in certain environments, <laughs> whatever it may be. But um, I mm, I definitely felt, you know, at times it was difficult for me to make friends. Um, you know, being really young is also maybe that was a little sister thing. Uh, maybe it was just because I was a I was a tag along to my older sister or something. And <laughs> and so I was it was just, you know, we were different people. So her friends were different, whatever. I, I don't know. But um in in middle school, I felt that I was I I, I moved I moved around schools a lot when growing up. So like I never stayed at a school in more than two years. And so I mean, what I've been to I mean, including college, I guess seven or eight different schools at this point or something. And so, and that was uh, sometimes difficult when when you're younger because you're coming into a new a new space with um, people who already have relationships with each other they already have a groove and um and then so you have to find your way to make friends and fit in and I think at the time even though that honestly did set me back in school a bit it definitely escalated uh, a part of me that I wouldn't realize would be uh so helpful later in life was just learning how to adapt to new environments and new people um very quickly, but also trying to do it as authentically as possible. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that is also just the, the root of, of life in any way is, is relationships and is love. And like, I think that because of the different, uh, schools and places I had been, you know, you naturally maybe try try, you would try on different identities just to see how they worked or different, you know, facades of some sort. And then you just realize that that doesn't work, doesn't get you very far. And, um, I so beautifully think I got to learn that at, uh, at a young age. And, um, so I just felt there was no other option, but to show up as myself. And I genuinely just, because I've been to so many schools and so many different neighborhoods that I, um, it, I mean, my my mind and eyes were just open to how different people are, um, and it made me it just sparked a natural curiosity to really get to know people deeply. Um, and realizing that there is just so much room for miscommunication and misunderstanding of people's lifestyles or identity and all these things, because you see how you know you go to to one place and you. Th- people maybe are stereotyped in one way and then you end up being, you know, going to a school where that stereotype existed and then realizing like, wait, what's going on? Like that, that doesn't ring true at all. So that's kind of a long winded answer of, of the, the root of being able to feel like I I can connect with people. Um, So I guess it did take work. I just didn't realize I was kind of forced to do it younger. (laughs) What got you into media and and videography and, and, and video production? What interested mm. you to start? 
doing that. So um, actually, when I came to Oregon State, I was uh, in exploratory studies, aka undeclared major, but I love the the fancy name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. But um, and the room, the people that I was rooming rooming with uh, freshman year they uh got a room in weatherford and they and that was a business dorm and uh specifically an entrepreneurship program at the time austin entrepreneurship um was hosted um out of out of the weatherford dorm and so there were classes and um uh, extracurricular involvement that was uh offered to the people who lived in the dorm and since i was in exploratory studies naturally i was like well, this sounds uh, cool, specifically the entrepreneurship. Um, I, from from high school, I did a lot of volunteer work just at different places in um, in the Portland area, and so that the way that on that the entrepreneurship club was um, the way that it was structured uh, reminded me a lot of just being able to be involved with a lot of different community projects um, and be a part of real world problem solving. Um, at the same time. So it was a really cool bridge between, Oh, like, vo- like vo- volunteering and business really do have this intersection and just like, Oh, you can actually make change in the world or you can come up with ideas and then do them. And you can just, you can actually believe that anything is possible and stuff like that. So that really set a foundation, uh, for going, um, going through the rest of college. So one of the projects that we were doing with the entrepreneurship group, we went to Uganda and Ethiopia one of the summers. And this is the summer after my freshman year of college. And we were working with an organization, an NGO uh, called Terawode, um, whose mission is to empower the forgotten women of Uganda. And um, and so we were we were working with them to see what we could basically what what a partnership and collaboration could look like and um on that trip what um the Oregon State production team came with us for i think it was a little over 2 weeks that they were there out of the month plus that we were there and they were documenting really everything that we were doing while, and also everything that, um, what Tara Wode, all the work that Tara Wode does as an organization. And, um, so it was kind of this, they, they ended up making a, a short film that you can find on the Oregon state, uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> um, and it's about Tara Wode and the, the whole collaborative experience and, um, and navigating what that kind of cross-cultural, cross—what uh, um, do I say? Across country to—I mm-hmm. mean, just like opposite side of the world—collaboration yeah. uh, could look like. So, an important note from my perspective or my personal journey on that trip was that you know, remember, I started at Oregon State in exploratory studies. The only idea that I had of what I wanted to do was something having to do with education and being involved in my community knowing that I thrive I I, I thrived really well being involved in, in community projects with the volunteer work that I did and so I was like there's something about that like I've got to be able to incorporate that into my life somehow that that works and then also um but then the educational aspect so I, I had no idea so on, on this trip I mean I was working with a lot of 
other students who were incredibly smart and really talented and very motivated, ambitious and passionate. And, um, but, you know, emphasis on the, they were incredibly smart. And I did truly feel, um, inadequate at times, but that was my own projection. It's not that I, not that they made me feel inadequate by any means, but I was struggling to find my place in the group as far as where my strengths lied. So I, you know, I was like, I know that I'm here, I'm showing up and I am so, um, you know, this work means so much to me. I was there for a purpose, but, um, I didn't know what role I would be best at playing on, on the team when it came to logistics. And so the, the documentary or the, um, the OSU productions who came along to document that whole experience. Um, I was really taken aback by how they did that because not only was it the fact that they were essentially able to be a part of the same project that we were doing, but and so, so, you know, they got to travel there with us. They got to be in all the meetings and the conversations with us. They got to understand the NGO, the, the organization with us and all those things. But then what part really struck me is that whenever there was time in between meetings that they got to take people um, uh, and they got to interview them on camera and have these deep conversations with them about everything. They got to ask them questions and do these things. And I was like, I know that I'm really good at asking questions because sometimes I get told that I ask way too many questions. <laughs> and so I just knew that I was like, okay, I, but I've also, you know, been told that I, I, I ask good questions sometimes, but also asking a lot of questions came out of me feeling like I didn't know a lot and I didn't have a lot to bring to the table. So the least I can do is just try to fully understand everything that's going on and then figure out from there, what gaps can I fill? And so the fact that they got to go, and I just, I loved having, I guess, hearts to heart, heart to hearts with people, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and just being able to really dive deep on who people are behind the work that they do. And so I really, I guess I was jealous that I was like, wait, wait, why do you get to go and have these <laughs> hour long conversations? And I, what? And I was like, that, but that's a part of your job. Um, so that was, um, I mean, it re really moving to me because I'm like, well, to me that that's the important part of this work. And that is, you know, um, it, that that's where you find out the whole, the whole why behind any, behind why anyone does anything. And so when I came back to OSU after that summer, um, that was right before the, the summer before my sophomore year and, um, <laughs> I was working in the entrepreneurship program still. And then my good old trusty friend EJ Alba, which I'm pretty sure you are going to be interviewing at some point on the podcast. <laughs> spoilers. As well. Yeah, spoilers. Sorry, but um, he also, uh, spoiler, worked at OMN uh, as well. But probably it's, um, it's not a spoiler to talk about something somebody did six, seven years ago. Let's that's true. <laughs> yeah, statute of limitations has expired on that. Yeah, that's a very good point, Stephen. Um, you're really good <laughs> at your job. <laughs> well, um, fun fact, <laughs> I will say. But um, so, well, there, there's two things. So one, EJ being one of them, but then another is that um, Daryl, who is on, who, who still is on the OSU production team. Um, there was still work uh, that 
he had to do for the film after we came back from the trip. So he was doing interviews with the students after the trip and then even just some other, um, other, other production stuff that you will, that you would see in the short film. Um, if you go see it on Oregon State's YouTube, but, um, so Daryl and I were still in contact after the trip and, um, and he just, you know, he, he was involved in media and, um, and then, because uh, EJ Alba, a friend of mine who I met in the dorms at Weatherford, and we also had classes together that that year, uh, fresh freshman year. So then um, I kind of opened up to him about this new interest that I had in video production because I knew that he was doing new media communications, um, which is now digital communication arts at Oregon State. And so I knew he was doing that. And I, um, and he was, he said that, well, actually, I mean, next week I am going to, uh, these anchor auditions, uh, for Beaver news. And it's just kind of a, a, a walk-in open house audition. And, um, I don't know if you're, I mean, if you're interested or maybe want to check out orange media, if you want to come with me, um, but let's go, I'm going next Wednesday or whatever it was. Yeah. And so, uh, I tagged along with him, really had no idea what I was getting into. That was the first, but I, was like, yes, I want, that sounds interesting and fun. And I was very open to any, any experience that would cross my path. So, um, so I went and then that was the first time I was inside of the, of the SEC, the student experience center, and then also up to orange media. And at the time, um, it had just been fully remodeled in a new, uh, or I mean the whole building with, with finished being built, uh, it was brand new. Yeah, brand new. So it was, you know, the end of my freshman year, I think in May Mm -hmm. that it opened up. So we're talking about the beginning of my sophomore year. Four months later, that was my introduction to it right, right after it really opened, opened for business, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so we went to Anchor Auditions and that was super fun and great. The studio was so mind blowing to me. I was like, wait, is this an actual, an actual studio where, I mean, this looks like I mean, beyond anything I'd ever seen. I mean, it looked like a you know behind the scenes of of the you know KGW of a news programming of whatever it be. So I was yeah. blown away by that. But then um, anchor auditions were really fun. And at the time, Marvin Lewis and uh, Hannah Howie were the producer and the director of Beaver News. And so EJ and I go, we go to anchor auditions, whatever. And then we get an email from them a few days later uh, that asked if we would be interested in doing a segment called questions in the quad. Um, they thought that our, um, our combined energy was good. We just had a good, EJ, good that EJ and I had a good chemistry. Yeah. 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 So, um, and so they, they offered that to us and then, you know, went winter term EJ and I started on questions in the quad. And so we would, you know, go out in the quad every week and we would take turns on who was on camera asking questions and who was operating the camera and then also take turns on who was editing and there would just be a different topic every week uh whatever was relevant you know um whether it was midterms or the super bowl or just uh various things going on um so that was the introduction really to everything yeah. was i mean and that I guess got it, you in the door got got me in the door that is for sure and and that was the stuff because i you mentioned the anchor auditions i remember meeting you at the anchor auditions uh the beginning mm-hmm. of your sophomore year and i remember thinking at the time and and obviously the the producers of the show felt this as well is that you know 
you know, clearly, you, you know, you had good chemistry and you were good on camera, but you just had this energy about you uh, that drew people to you and built a connection. And so when when you got the, the question in the quad segment where you got to go out and interview people, I thought that was such a perfect role for you because you were so uh, perfectly able to get people to let their guard down and answer these these wacky questions on camera. Uh, and I thought that was always so fun. And then that was that was just the beginning of your of your your ride at OMN. Uh, we, we did your resume at the beginning of this episode, but it's time for part two of Polly's resume this time. <laughs> Your resume, your resume at OMN. You were the questions in the quad reporter and videographer. You were the producer and host of the TV show Grabbing Life by the Pauls. Mm-hmm. You were a award-winning documentarian for a short documentary you made in only a week from idea <laughs> to finish. You did a documentary in Eastern Oregon about ghost towns. You worked on multiple shows at KBVR. You did everything. So my question for you, Polly, is why are you trying to make the rest of us look bad? All right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. But you did so much. Like, how, how did you find time to do it all? Uh, you know, that is, a, I am really glad that you actually asked that question in that way, because, because, you know, the, the reality of all that time was like, I mean, yeah, it was, there was so much opportunity and so much that OMN had to offer so much that could be done. And, um, I, who boy, it was really hard to find, I mean, to, to figure out how, how to balance life and then all these amazing things that, um, that, that could, that could be done, you know, or the, the opportunities before oneself. So, um, gosh, I guess I just, I think it's really important for, for me to emphasize, I mean, how, how important it is to, to throw yourself out there and really, I mean, do everything that you possibly can. And I think that college is the perfect time to test your limits on what you can do. And for, I mean, for the better, um, I definitely had my limits tested, uh, at, at OMN and in college in general, because there was, oh boy. I mean, there was just so much, so much going on. I mean, you have classes, you have uh, you know, you know, all, all these new friends and people that are around you, but you also are trying to hopefully build a foundation for your career and, or whatever your life looks like post-college. And so I would say that there just was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of trial and error, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. So by no means did I really do it all and feel like I did it perfectly or did it in a way that wasn't, um, you know, that I didn't either let myself down or let other people down at times. But I think, um, I would just, you know, I try to remind myself over and over again and remind other people that, you know, it, it feels so overwhelming at the time while you're in college. Maybe like if, if you make a little mistake, um, or, um, you know, let somebody down or don't get a, you know, pass a class with fly, flying colors. But the thing is like, that is, that is the the place out of all places to test your limits and your ability. So I think, for, I mean, for me, I just wanted to try everything because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't so dead set on it. So I, and it was just so, 
I mean, it was it was such hard work, but so fun. It was so much fun, and um, I wouldn't have had it any other way. And so I think that's just where it um, hopefully clicks for people is when you know that you're doing a lot, but that um, you you are enjoying it even when you're making mistakes or having a hard time doing it. So where, what was my point to that? I did have a better non, <laughs> non-super tangent point. You said, how did I do it all? Um, well, okay, Stephen, I actually, my gosh, would love to bring up the uh, – so, you know, why did I even end up in the place of making a short film in a week, you know? And that has some, you know, there's some vulnerability that has to be associated with that of the, the term before I did that short film um, – so this was the year after I was a producer and host for Grabbing Life by the Pauls. So that year was an incredible year. It challenged me in so many ways, but holy moly, um, you know, it... And you can swear if you want. We can, okay. <laughs> we can put that in. I can sense it and I can tell you're holding back. <laughs> wow, you know me so well. <laughs> but I know the filters that are, you know, that were there. I'm just back into my, you know, hosting days at OMN. You know, you couldn't cuss there. So, uh, holy shit, it was a hard year. <laughs> it was a hard year, but it was... So, like, what's important for me to note about this? My gosh, my brain is just so, I mean, flustered at just trying to, to concisely say what working at OMN was. Um but it, it was a tough year at the time. You know, you, you were working on a lot. You were doing a lot of things. Um, and and it all kind of added up. Uh, and, there, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of things, you know, trying to balance all at the same time. I remember that. Right, right. And so, um, I mean, yeah, you were you know, directly my advisor and a huge um, support through Grabbing Life by the Pulse. So that whole year, that was my junior year. And then um, my... My senior year, that is when I was a short film producer for fall term. And that's where the the vulnerable part comes in here is that um, I was really, uh, I felt really burnt out after junior year producing Grabbing Life by the Pauls. Um, that was because um, I had never been so involved and so busy ever before and at the same time just being flooded with like I want to do everything but not realizing that you don't have the time to do everything because I mean there was just so much it's because I was having such a good time with everything I was doing and I felt like it was just the idea of it being a job was mind-blowing to me and so I was so involved and I didn't know how to balance it. Um, I struggled in school for a long time growing up. And so that, that did directly play into not knowing how to balance things because I didn't know exactly maybe how much time it really took to do something, um, and be able to plan ahead for that. So that was a huge learning point for myself as it would be for anybody. Um, I believe, but then the following year, you know, I I was presented with the opportunity that it was it was a new position at the time to be a short film producer, and um, I was so heavily involved for the year and a half prior that I I couldn't fathom all of a sudden not working at OMN anymore and not being involved in some way. I'm like, there's so much to do and so much I still want to do, but at the same time, I was really really struggling to to figure out how to, how to balance it. So I, I mean, when I say I burnt out at the end of junior year after the show, like 
it, I had a really difficult summer following that. I had a really hard time. Um, even just, I was, I think I had a summer class while I was working and it was just, I spent that summer in Corvallis. Um, and I was kind of grateful because, you know, it, it was just very low key. And I spent a lot of time trying to just be with myself because I was just so overwhelmed and couldn't. And I just, I honestly, it's crazy to say that I felt like a really big failure in a lot of ways after producing the show. Mm. I felt like I had, you know, done so many things wrong and just wasn't, um, you know, it, nat naturally you're, you, there's no way to go through life without, without letting people down in some way or another, or just not living up to your own expectations or somebody else's expectations or a job standard um, or a class standard. So it was just like, I felt like I was letting my friends down because I never had time to hang out. But I felt like, you know, I was letting my classes down because I was so focused on doing the show because I wanted to. And, and then I, but I also felt like I was letting the show down because I needed to make time for my classes, but had so much that I wanted to do for the show. And I yeah. felt like, how the heck? Yeah. I just didn't know how to do it all. So then um, I really pulled back heavily the summer after, but I still, but I was like, okay, I'll have the summer to, to heal essentially, and then jump into, uh, the short film producer position in the fall. So to me at the time, like two and a half, three months, you know, felt like such a long time to be able to get my shit together and then move into the next term just fine, you know, but that was also, I, uh, had, no idea what taking care of your mental health meant either. So there was no boundaries around that and around what it means to just take care of yourself. Like I just didn't know what that balance was, like I said. So then that fall, um, I was trying to make a, a short documentary or a mini docu-series. I mean, it kind of changed and evolved throughout the term um, on uh, – um, exploring specifically uh, houselessness in Corvallis at the mm -hmm. time and what that um, and what that looked like and I was really um, set on um, people that I was meeting in the community and sharing their stories and kind of and spending time you know walking through their uh, their life their day to day their I mean everything and anything but like I said way earlier in the show I am not a heavily pre-production person and so that is a reason that I mean I love documentary because I love being able to just walk into a situation and be inspired by what unfolds naturally and not composing something um so prim and proper so that is what tra attracts me to documentary but then the also you can't it's hard to plan that very nicely when I'm just leaving it up to the wind to be you know, for, for the right timing and to be inspired. I'm like, well, I don't want to, you know, force someone um, in this vulnerable situation to be like, hey, can I make a film about you? And just, you know, come in like, you know, I'm just meeting you all of a sudden and then I'm just going to come in and I'm going to make a film about you. And right. then it's very sensitive, take this thing. super sensitive and just felt felt wrong in a lot of ways. And so I think that I was just trying to fit a square into a circle and that um, I, I couldn't figure out how to plan for doing doing what I wanted to do, which was that in that single term. And so I think it was by, was it week six, week seven? I mean, it was more than halfway through the term that I came to you and was like, I, I don't have anything to show right now. All I have are these conversations under my belt with people that I've started, but I was, you know, I was like, those 
have to progress naturally. I can't just force this thing. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know how to move forward. I don't know what to change. I just, I can't do this. I don't even know where to find time. I'm falling behind in my classes still, even though I have no progress to show for this film. And I'm just struggling. I am struggling in every sense of the word. I am having breakdowns and I don't even know why, but it's just, you know, you know, later realize it's a manifestation of all, you know, the other things beforehand. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, curious what, you know, your, your take was on it at the time. I just remember yeah. that conversation. Well, I, I, I remember that conversation and I remember thinking at the time and I remember, um, and, and especially, you know, looking back on it now, just how, how brave it was for you to, to come to me as your advisor and, to, and to say, Hey, I don't, I don't have anything on this. Um, you know, because that is that is really, really scary. And it requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of strength to be able to say, you know, you know, hey, I, I need help. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is going on. And prioritizing your mental health is so important. And I also want to want to take ownership of some things, too, because I, I was your advisor at the time. And, um, you know, you, you talk about people noticing and, and prioritizing their own mental health. But I think it's also on supervisors and advisors to recognize in their people when they need help. Mm. And I did not recognize that soon enough that mm. fall because that was that was such a, a tough time that you were going through. And as your advisor, I should have noticed that uh, mm. and given you more of that support. So um, I should have done that. And I'm sorry that I didn't um, because, you know, you you were so brave and strong to come at that point and say, Hey, you know, we need to do something else. You know, I, I need to prioritize my mental health. I, I shouldn't have let it get to that point. And I feel like I failed you, mm-hmm. you know, as your advisor, because, um, you need, you should have had a lot more support from me before that point. Mm, wow. Wow. I mean, I, I appreciate that, that awareness or perspective. So, so much. Um, and I never, you know, never felt like it was ever you, I mean, like your, your fault. So it even just means that much more for you to be like, Hey, well, you know, you just, just acknowledging that you felt like you could have done more really truly means a lot. And, and also, I mean, that just goes to show, I mean, that that's a learning experience for everyone. Right. So, I mean, if you didn't, but, and who knows, maybe at the, at the time, maybe also you didn't know where your boundaries were and where, how to, potentially take care of or, or prioritize your mental health in a way. Cause it's like, you're still essentially, I mean, you're, that was your, your job. You're also in a high functioning environment and you, um, you know, are also a very passionate person and a lot of ideas and a lot of things you want to do. So I'm, I'm sure that also was just a, a potentially a projection of not actually knowing where your own mental health boundaries were potentially too. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, and like I said, I, I so appreciated, you know, you coming and saying that at the time, because I can't imagine how hard that must have been for you at that time, knowing, because you've mentioned this already in the podcast, how much you threw yourself into projects like that uh, across mm-hmm. OMN and other areas. And so uh, I can't imagine how hard that must have been uh, in that moment and, and, and following up from that. Uh, and so that, that took, that took so much, uh, and so much strength from you to be able to go through that. And so I'm really proud of you, um, for, for enduring that and, and coming out so strong on the other side. Um, cause that was not easy. 
Well, th thank you. Thank you so much for saying that seriously. Um, and just say, I mean, you, you definitely though did support me and I it supported me so much. And I remember though, I, I think I was, you know, I was kind of an eclectic ball of who knows what to throw <laughs> at this. Cause I know I had, I know I came to you with so many, um, ideas and things of like doing things differently. And so it was also new territory for, for you um, on even just advising me. And I remember those being so many of the conversations of, you know, I'd bring some crazy idea and you're like, okay, well, how can we maybe just try to try to structure this in a way that can, you know, be good for everyone. So like, let's get a skeleton going for your show. So that way it's easier on you, Polly. Like, let's make <laughs> this easier for you with all these ideas and just give it some kind of structure to fit inside of. And that I, I mean, I remember at the time being so kind of kind of resistant to like, no, if it's by the books, then I don't I don't think we that's going to fit here because it needs to be <laughs> innovative and it needs to be new. And yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just do want to say you did you did you did try and um, to to also to help me preemptively, not even realizing that the, it could have gone to the extent that it, that it went to, you know, be, yeah. um, I appreciate and, you saying that. Yeah, no, of course, of course. So, and so in that, uh, so in that fall, then you know, mm -hmm. you there was the the project, you know, it had to be had to right. be put to the side, um, and then a couple months later, uh, you had some other projects you wanted to work on, and we came forward and we came up with an idea at that time, and I was kind of curious mm -hmm. what what your perspective was then a few months later, what we ended up doing. Yeah, so um, there was, so yeah, it was, it was winter term that of that year that I was, you know, took a step back from OMN, you know, at the end of fall term and, um, a couple of friends of mine, um, Sean, Amir, Madeline and Sarah Sargent. I mean, at, at the time I actually, you know, I didn't know Sarah very well, but anyway, the, the then I came to know her through this project, but, um, uh, there was some talk going around about this idea that specifically Sean and Amir had wanted to explore. Um, uh, it was a fun fact or a random fact that they learned on the radio by a um, ghost town uh, specialist or expert. Uh, was it, I think a self-proclaimed expert Um most that, ghost experts are self-proclaimed just okay. FYI. yeah that that makes sense that makes sense that but that oregon out of every other state um oregon has the highest number of ghost towns uh ballparking somewhere above i mean 250 ghost towns that right yeah that um and so they heard this one random day on the radio long story short it um they came to wanting to make a, a film around that. But both of them at the time were, they were involved in radio and not in video. And so then they were starting to have conversations openly around Orange Media about um, uh, about exploring this on video terms. And so then Madeline uh, caught wind of that one day and then they had, the, they started talking about it and then, Madeline was, you know, still working at OMN and Madeline and I were close friends. And then she knew that I was taking a step back. But then she came to me and asked if, you know, that's something I would want to be involved in was this potential documentary about exploring ghost towns in Oregon. And, um, in, and this was near the, the near the end of winter term. And I was starting to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to do something again. It, it, it was, you know, it was necessary that I stepped away completely for a while. And then it finally felt like, 
okay, here, here, the year is coming back around and this is something that I can be involved in, but not be, not have the stress and the, the confusion around being the, the lead on it, but I'm going to be a support. And it felt really good to, to have the opportunity to step into that role. And so, cause Madeline's like, well, Hey, since, you know, she came to me for, to, to be a shooter, to, to shoot the documentary, um, be a part of that. So, um, but so I, I came to you, um, about that, uh, I mean, about this whole thing because everybody else already had jobs at OMN. So what needed to happen was that this was a new concept, a new idea, and somebody needed to apply to the short film, um, producer position to actually head the project. And so I remember me being one of the options of people to then be a short film producer again, but knowing that I already have this preconceived project and team, um, that that's how it could function. So there's, you know, this guarantee that, that, it, that it will not happen the way that it did fall term. Um, but you know, understandably, that was the first time that I think that I had probably seen you and that we had talked since I had my exit conversation, uh, the term prior. And so um, there was a lot of questions to be had of, you know, is this something that I could definitely be a part of that I could take on that I could actually see the project through. Um, and there naturally were, were was I wouldn't say, you know, to the level of skepticism, not that like I felt that there was that that seems too heavy for for, you know, what what there was. But just really, you know, like, is this a good idea for everybody? Because one, I mean, you guys invested in me, um, you know, as a job for me to be a producer um, that term before. And I could not deliver on that expectation. And so it's reasonable that there would be questions of are you sure you can do it this time around? I mean, what has changed and how is this going to be different? And, um, and so the, I guess what we came to was that I, I wanted to prove to you that I, I could show up and I could fulfill the expectation that I had, um, that I had left short, uh, that previous fall term and spring break was coming up and I, um, I, I wanted to, to prove that I could do this project, that I, I was here for it, that I got my ducks in a row. I've got an amazing team behind me too, and that, that this could happen. And so I wanted to figure out a way to fulfill my, my fall term short film, uh, deliverable. And so I came up, um, with, with the help of Madeline and a couple friends of just brainstorming this whole situation anyway, cause it was a very unique situation. It's not like this just, you know, happens. I was like, Oh, you do this. And then this is what you have to do to make up for it. Kind of thing It's like, <laughs> I was, you know, we, we were talking about something completely new and a different way of navigating a, this situation. So then, um, I came to you with a short film idea and I, wrote out a production plan for spring break because the, and, um, you know, of like who I was interviewing, what I was shooting and how long it would take to shoot the, the set dates. I already had confirmed times with the interview guests and the people I'd be a part of. And then, um, and then the editing timeline of, and then the draft timeline, um, and the deliverable timeline. <laughs> and, um, you know, there were so many beautiful things that came out of this, situation uh and i think that 
I, mean, I don't know. I almost want to give you a chance to interject. I feel like I'm yeah, really no, I, the rails here. No, you're fine. You're fine. And I love, I love kind of going down memory lane with this too, because I, I remember that so clearly that you came back with this detailed plan of what you were going to do and how you were going to do it. And so, like you said, you had the shooting schedule, the editing schedule, the deadline for getting the rough draft, when you were going to be where and who you were talking to. Um, and I was so blown away uh, by the level of detail and thought that went into it, because what we were talking about was not easy uh, by any means. We were talking about making yeah. a whole short documentary over spring break, like one mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I remember how how that that genuineness that you had and that that feeling of. I'm going to do this. And like you said, you know, you, you kind of wanted to, to prove yourself in a way. Um, and I, I got that sense when you came and you talked about it and said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to these people. I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to put this together. Here's my idea for it. And you gave me such confidence with your attitude and your plan that it, it mm. made me very, very confident and excited to sign off on it and say, okay, let's see mm. what you got. Um, because you just, just blew all of us away with your attention to detail and your attitude and, and the documentary itself, you know, uh, analogous when it, when it was finished, it was so well done and, and so well made. So that whole experience, um, I, I am, I, I know I've already said this once, but I am so proud of what you were able to do and to turn around that situation and to make something really, really special out of it. Thank you, Stephen. And like, I, I'm so grateful that, um, there was the room for this kind of, um, I guess an, an exception in a way. I mean, by, by no means did, did, uh, anyone, I mean, you or anyone at OMN have to sign off on that and be like, well, you know, this isn't how we, how we do things around here. And I just think, I mean, that in itself, just that whole experience on both sides, on the on your side, on the administrative side, and me, the the student um, side. That I mean, that to me is like creativity at its at its finest. Of like, I mean, tr- troubleshooting, problem solving, and figuring out alternative ways to going about things when things don't happen as expected. And so, just the fact that there was also the welcoming for that to happen. That you nobody had to say yes to that so um i i hope it was you know a beautiful learning experience on on both sides um and i'm just so so grateful for the for that opportunity and then obviously everything that that came after that and it was like wow and you know that that we went on to to make unabandoned the ghost town documentary that following term and um I, uh, wow, just wow. And that was such a, it felt like such a, such a success uh, of, I mean, every part about it. And um, I think that is just really kind of the epitome of, of OMN and what was and what is possible there on, um, you know, when, when you're involved and when you're intentional and when you're, you know, there's room for this creative problem solving and it's like, yes, you know, we, we have to put things on paper and make job descriptions and, and put timelines on things for a, a reason. But, and then, but just the fact that 
because something didn't go the way as planned, there was room with a lot of intentionality to go about it a different way to, um, for, for everybody to, um, I guess, see through um, an opportunity and a chance to almost like right things or wrong, right the wrongs or. And, and I don't think it was wrongs necessarily, you know, because things, things not going, you know, according to plan, that's, that's kind of the name of the game in media. It's always right. going to happen, you know, and happens right. at different, in different ways and on different levels. But to me, you know, your experience with that really showed how to, to take, take what you had and roll with it and make the most of it, you know, because if you are working towards something that you're passionate about and you have a team of people supporting you and you are, are, are doing something that is, that is good. I mean, the pieces fall into place, you know, and, mm. and so to me, you know, working through those challenges and making the most, making uh, lemonade out of lemons is, that's just mm. part of what we do every day in media. Amen. Amen. Well said. I mean, That's that wrapping things up in a bow thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah. You know how you're really good at that? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, you done did it again. I'm, I'm, I'm glad this is actually our third take doing this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Polly, uh, I have always been and remain so proud of you. Uh, you do amazing work and you are a wonderful person. Uh, oh that is just bringing such light into the world with, with your humanity and your experiences. Um, please continue to do good work and take care of yourself. Uh, and just thank you for everything that you do. Uh, thank, Stephen, thank you so, so much. You are so incredible at giving people a platform and uplifting them and encouraging them and being a huge support for other people to shine. And I think that's how you, how you shine um, very, you. very well on top of your, your talents and your, you know, broadcasting voice that you just have nailed so perfectly. Oh, so. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know what? We, we talked about this earlier, but uh, I need to have you co uh, host this podcast or co-host it with me. You know what? I'll, yes. I'll just step out of the way. We'll just have you take over. <laughs> uh, so start reaching out to some alumni and uh, just okay. let, let me know when the episodes are done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No problem at all. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Polly, thank you so much for being on the episode today. I really appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephen. You too. Talk soon. And if you would like to learn more about Orange Media Network, go to orangemedianetwork.com. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the OMN Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.